Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Celebrating Joy podcast. I'm Mary Turner, and I have a very special guest and friend with me today. It is the one and only Bob Goff. And for those who don't know Bob Goff, he is an author, a speaker, and one of the most joyful people that I think I know. I'm so honored to have you on the podcast today. So everyone, welcome, Bob. Hey, thanks a million, Mary. Any excuse to... Be talking to you about stuff that matters. You bring a lot of joy to a lot of people. And I think we need that. Uh, We need uh, some information. But man, if you can get uh, what people are telling you off the Discovery Channel, uh, just keep the focus on joy. (laughs) Like it's not information we need. We need examples. And you're a great example of joy. Well, thank you so much. I think you're an awesome example. And I've talked to so many people about your books, especially Love Does, and your most recent one, Undistracted. Can you tell us a little bit about that writing progress and just like how you found the joy in writing that book? Yeah, I'll tell you if you'll promise you'll write yours. (laughs) Fair to have a deal in front of everybody. We have a deal. Good. Okay. So what I do then is I write, uh, uh, take notes constantly on everything. I bet I send myself 150 emails a day. I'm just constantly, constantly thinking about one thing or another, or something catches my eye and I go like, wow, I didn't even like know that that was true. And I'll research it a little bit more. Uh, and it isn't to get facts out there. It would be a jumping board uh, for other ideas. And if you're curious and if you're gauged, then this is like catnip for all the great ideas to come your way. And then you'll find a little bit of joy. You're going to find what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. I've decided I wanted uh, an old convertible Volkswagen, not like, <laughs> a, you know, like museum kind of Volkswagen, but I got it for a funny reason. I just wanted to slow down a little bit. <laughs> I found this car. It goes 40, like downhill with a stiff wow. wind at your back. So I bought it, I found it in a barn uh, that was in Oregon. And as soon as I decided I wanted a 71 convertible Volkswagen, it was like every third car that passed me is a 71 convertible Volkswagen. I know it's not that common, but you start seeing what you're looking for. And I think joy is that way as well. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cynicism is that way as well. If you Mm want to see some darker, if you want to see like, all of a sudden, the line for Southwest Airlines is going to move a little bit slower, as will the one at the grocery store, as will the stoplight, as the, like you just start seeing what you're looking for. And mm-hmm. um, and what we're trying to do is validate our ideas. I uh, And I wouldn't know, understand the neuroscience behind it. We have an idea, a premise that life is fundamentally fair. Uh, and so you'll be subconsciously looking for examples to prove that premise that actually it is. And then when something happens, it feels a little unfair. You will uh, make that an outlier. You'll say, oh, yeah, well, that happens, too. But I still holding tight to my premise. If you think people are essentially evil and horrible and they'll betray you, then you'll just start looking around and you'll give airtime to wow. evil, horrible people who betray you. <laughs> so, so I would just say, I'm not just saying live up in the the clouds with, you know, puppies and unicorns and all of that. But um, I would just say, what are some of the basic tenets of your life? What are the premises uh, that you have for life? And I think yours is clearly the joy rocks, joy rules. Uh, and if you have to convince somebody of that, uh, then you're probably trying too hard. 
Uh, what you we do is we just look at the horizon. We find things along the way that support that idea. It's like the best of the best in people. Um, Because people usually don't want to be wonky. Uh, I know that's a word. That's actually a word. I looked it up. Uh, They don't want to be wonky. What they want to do is they're reacting uh, to something in their life. They might be reacting to joy. They may be reacting to pain or wounds or suffering in their life. And so just chill out a little bit. Just know that everybody's trying to figure it out. And you're really good at that. Thank you. I think I totally understand that. And like, I totally agree as well, because when you're putting this focus of, oh, this is one negative thing going on in my life and you tend to focus on that one thing, then you're going to see negative in almost everything. And so when you are focusing on the good in people and the good in the world, then you're probably going to have a more joyful outlook on life in general. And I think that's one of the main points in my book that I'm hitting on is just finding that joy in everything and just celebrating people when they need to be celebrated or celebrating the small steps in your own life that lead to having that joy and being that almost of a light to people in this dark world. Yeah, bingo. If you will promise that you will keep writing books like yours, uh, then I think people are going to find more joy because they're going to stumble across something that you have to say and it'll make sense. I'm looking behind you at those three hats that you have on the wall. <laughs> uh, and so you could even take something. If your head is on a swivel, you'll say the three hats. Mm-hmm. And the one hat might represent uh, your intellectual curiosity. That you're just intellectually curious about things. You want to know why uh, you could pet a bee when it's drinking water and it won't sting you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're curious about why uh, women, when they turn 13 or 14 years old, stop listening to their mother's voice. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's biological yeah. that they just actually start tuning that one out, which is represented for many people, nurture and caring and all that. Mm-hmm. And they start looking for new and novel voices. And so you'd go like, wow. Wow. Oh, 14 year old girls, by the time they turn 14, they've lost 40% of their confidence. I'm like, oh my gosh. So instead of seeing the darkness in that, you could wear your first hat and just say, I want to be intellectually interested in that. I want to understand a, a little of the science behind it. The second half hat might be uh, you wearing your hope because you wear that girl everywhere you go. Um uh, <laughs> to say, I wear hope like a hat. And then people go like, oh my gosh, that's such a great thing. I think that's what will emerge from all of your really good writing is uh, those kinds of things. And then the third hat, um, what if you ask the reader to just like, you tell me your third hat and it just gets people engaged. Um, I think joy is just so, sometimes it's really dismissed. Have you found that? Like people mm-hmm. just dismiss it by like, oh, you're just happy. Be yeah. like, Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> and I'm not going to point a big bony finger in your direction and say someone else ought to be, but they say like happy is where I live. Mm-hmm. I, I got a question for you. How do you navigate a then sad uh, mm-hmm. when you're fundamentally like a joyful, uh, you're looking for joy. You got your joy hat on, your hope hat on. Yeah. Uh, to say, what do you deal when there's setbacks? I think in my recent months of life, I've really realized that, okay, I'm actually growing up and like I'm hitting challenges that are hard. And there was about a year ago when I hit just like that challenge of, okay, how do I remain joyful when I'm sad, when I'm there's hard stuff going on? And I think I just had 
first off, awesome people in my corner that reminded me of that joy that can still be had, like in the book of James, where it talks about you can still have joy in the trials of life and was just reminded of that and was able to, yes, still have those feelings of sadness, but be so hopeful of like what the Lord was going to teach me in that moment. And that brought me joy of knowing that. And then continuing to see like, okay, I might be going through something that's really hard and dark, but there's still joy in those moments. And like, you can see those, I think of them as like a door where you can see the cracks of light kind of shining through and you can see the little bit of light at the bottom and kind of on the side. And you know, that door is eventually going to open leading you to that more joy feeling. But then right now you're in the sadness and you're kind of in the dark, but you know, there's hope because you're seeing that light shine through. So continuing just like be reminded of the joy that you can have in the darkness because life is broken and it's sad that how broken our world is, but there is so much good in it. And I think God intended for us to have joy and happiness and he gave us these feelings for a reason. And I think it's no coincidence that joy is like mentioned like 430 times in the Bible. And it's reminded of us that you can continue to be joyful even when it's hard. Yeah, bingo. I think you've got that nailed. And uh, and sometimes just giving it a little while to get there. Like you don't have to feel instant joy. Like we have instant yeah. pots and microwaves and all that. But to just say like joy, think of it more like a crock pot than a microwave. Like sometimes it's just going to take a little while to get there. Yeah. When you were mentioning about it, uh, this uh, metaphor to a door, uh, I remember I was so delighted to uh, learn that my son had learned how to spell his name. He's 30 now, but this happened a little <laughs> bit ago. Uh, but uh, he had gone to school and they showed him how to write Adam. And the first thing that we did when we bought this little house, we couldn't afford to fix anything on the house. It was a dump. But somebody said, uh, fix up the door. Because that's the one thing that everybody goes to. So I like spent money we didn't have and put like, had somebody put like three sprayed coats of black on the door. We got a really nice little door handle because it's the first thing you touch. And and even though the rest of the house was a dump, we had a awesome door. <laughs> and Adam came home from school that the day we got our door done and he took a pin mm. and he scratched into the door a d a m but it's crazy but it is a quarter of a century later i still have the door uh, and the reason is, well, two things. I'm going to hang it on his house. I'm going to put dad <laughs> on like, his door scratching in sometimes. But the thing at the time was felt like it robbed my joy because, mm -hmm. ah, it felt like such a gut punch because we just, something really beautiful uh, had just been like marked up. Mm -hmm. And then I realized a little bit later that it, what marked it up was the thing that was really beautiful. Um, and so just giving yourself a little time to get to joy um, when there's a setback along the way. Did you know, uh, not too far from you, there's a city, uh, a town in Texas called Happy. Did you know oh, that? I have no idea. Yeah, look that up. <laughs> 
Yeah, their slogan is the the town that never frowns. Wow, I need to go visit that. <laughs> yeah, there's an off ramp. I took the off ramp, and and uh, it's a small little town, and it's got the happy center. Like there's a thing. It's like you I go there. That. That's where I'd want to set up shop. You too. Um, and then uh, there's also a drugstore next to it. That's where some people are setting up shop. Um, but there, it got me thinking about the names of these cities. And there's a city in Arizona. And the name of the city is Y. <laughs> Why Arizona? Yeah, I'm sure they named that in August when it was 130 out. Oh, They're like, why? Um, but I think for people to get to their joy, yeah, you could say, well, like, what makes you happy and why? Like, you could yeah. just like link together, like, what is it? like your, your ability to go to depth in relationships. Mm -hmm. So if you have somebody that wants to keep it like super shallow in a relationship, they want to be a snorkeler in the top two feet of relationships, then you'd say like, I don't know, I, I want a shipwreck dive. Let's go down and uh, we can find joy in even the wreck. Like, let's go deep. So how do you navigate that in your relationship with guys and gals and all that to go to depth and still find joy. I think one of the most fun things that I like to do is just do random adventures, which is like so fun. I think you are like awesome at that. You do like the craziest things that I want to do. Um, but I think just reminding people of like, this is a fun life that you get to live and reminding people of you can have that fun feeling of joy and excitement when you're doing these fun adventurous things and so just like going from day to day and kind of just grabbing those people in your circle and just like making them excited about what's going on and even just me being in school and me having this busy crazy life I think you can get easily wrapped up in the busyness of the world and so just kind of slowing down and going and doing something random going to like a Bucky's gas station and at the middle of the night and just doing something fun or going roller skating and just reminding people there's so much joy in all these things. And it doesn't have to be some massive event that you need to plan to go out of the country. And that's awesome if it is, but you can do random stuff in your house or right outside your door. Oh, you had me at roller skating in Bucky's. <laughs> like, because they probably roller skates there and for mica tops and car repair kits and yeah yeah so i think that whole idea of living an engaged life mm -hmm. um sometimes you'll see people uh, some uh, you might be listening you might have parents they kind of just checked out they they're not in a bad way they just played it safe um and so they just kind of somehow ran out of energy to stay engaged like the all the energy you had in college maybe your parents had that and perhaps they kept that up and uh, or maybe you have a family friend that just kind of like it felt like they were just making their world really small by playing it super safe, mm -hmm. that they were playing a lot more defense and offense. And I want to actually ramp up. I want to crescendo and um, I, I want to go out in a ball of flames. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you get about 27,383 days, give or take. Yeah. More if you eat broccoli, less if you eat Pop-Tarts like me. <laughs> um, but to say, what are you going to do with what you got? And so for being like a generation or two up, I've got 20,000 of those days in the rearview mirror. 
Mm. And that doesn't make me sad. That makes me engage and say, all right, come on. All of that has prepared me for all of this. And so now when I get a great idea or what seems like a great idea, I'm not afraid of having tried it and have it not work. I'm afraid of having not tried it and missed the possibility it might've worked. And so I think if you could continue to live your life and to say, make a promise with yourself, like pinky promise, that you are going to live this engaged life. You're not moving to the center uh, of the safe places in your life, but say like, no, 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 this thing that makes you so winsome and joy filled and eager and head on a swivel, that that's going to be your drumbeat for the rest of your life. If you join somebody in this adventure, uh, then to say that really needs to be our drumbeat. That's (laughs) That's a great question to ask on a date or two to say, (laughs) what do you think life needs to look like? Can I hold you to that? Can I get that in writing? (laughs) (laughs) And you don't need to work for NASA to figure out the trajectory of somebody's life. So if they're very other oriented, if faith leads in the things it'll probably continue to lead. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, you know, the weather in San Diego is, you know, sunny and 72 today. It's probably gonna be sunny and 72 tomorrow. (laughs) That's the way people that live it, but they're wearing their hat that being intellectually honest, but also their hat that is filled with hope. Yeah. I see that a lot today with people, especially in my generation is like, they want to do those engaging things and they want to be engaged in the world, but it takes them time to actually get to that point of committing to, oh, I want to go do something that's exciting and engaging, but I have to take all these steps in order to get there. I think we start need to start by having this mindset of, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go and do it and have fun. And just like, if it fails, it fails, but if it doesn't, awesome. And so how do you kind of view that mindset of, I'm just going to do it and be excited about it. And what kind of gets you to the venture point of just being like, oh, I have this idea. I'm going to go do it. Yeah. Uh, Two things that spring to mind first, Mary. Uh, First, I assume I have permission. Even (laughs) if I actually don't have permission, I just assume I do. Um, And some people get uh, their ears boxed a couple of times and they start living life as if they have to ask permission for everything. <clears throat> I teach at San Quentin and um, some of the men there have been institutionalized for so many decades that they need to ask permission <clears throat> to do everything, every function in their life. Um, they do the count four times a day. Uh, when the horn blasts, everybody sits, nobody can look at each other. Uh, mm-hmm. when the thing, so their life is very regulated uh, that way. But what if you started living like you already had permission that you weren't imprisoned, uh, that you're actually, if you felt imprisoned, even by your emotions or some difficult circumstances have happened out, that find some people to help you, a good counselor, somebody who's really knowledgeable about the kind of trauma that you may have experienced. So first is assume permission. And then second, assume friendship. So I just assumed we were friends the first time we met. And then it turned out we were. Mm -hmm. Uh, I assume with the person that we've got a mail carrier uh, that delivers all the mail to the wrong houses. (laughs) (laughs) Just not a detailed person. Uh, But uh, the neat kind of part about this is because they're so bad at their job, all the neighbors know each other. We meet out in the middle of the street and just exchange mail. I'm like, I think this is for you. 
<laughs> so to just assume friendship and not tie friendship to performance. Mm. Like, so I'm not going to be friend with a mail carrier because they do their job right. Because yeah. my address isn't hard to figure out. There's a six, a nine, and another six in it. So <laughs> what I want to do is assume friendship, but not make friendship tied to what you can do for me or how well you do what you do. Um, yet I'm not going to slow down my cadence to uh, let somebody else catch up. I'm going to like go live my life. Uh, and that isn't arrogant. It's strategic to say, I'm, I've got some things. I'm not trying to build consensus. I want to build a kingdom. Mm -hmm. So building consensus for me would be exhausting. What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? What do you think? Uh, that's not a bad thing. And some people are actually wired that way to do it. I'm just not. How about you? I am a mix of both, I feel like. But I think as I've gotten older, I've kind of, I love what you said about the permission thing. I think I'm going to start doing that. Just assume I have permission to do it. Um, I for sure just, I used to be very detail oriented and I still think I am. And sometimes I feel like that can almost steal the joy that I want to have every day because I'm like so focused on what I need to get done and different things. But then when I have those moments of like, oh, I'm going to go do this random thing, it ends up being like the best decision. And so I think kind of a balance for me is kind of the way I've kind of seen it play out with my life. And just hoping to rope in those friends, like you were saying, kind of just adding them a part of it and just being like, okay, I don't need to do this alone. I can actually add four people to it and go to the grocery store and kind of go crazy in there and kind of just do something fun and kind of set a scene almost a little bit and just have fun with them. Um, it doesn't have to be almost a routine of things we do every day of going to class, sitting in class, going to study somewhere, going to the grocery store, making dinner, but kind of changing up a little bit and just inviting people in that. And I actually had a friend recently who decided to wear a random dinosaur costume to class one day just because they wanted to. And it was the most funny thing I had seen in a while in class. And so the teacher, of course, wasn't the most happy about it because it was a distraction, but I think it kind of set the tone of, okay, we can have fun sometimes. Yeah, there's something really uh, winsome about that. The think if if faith uh, guides your steps and you're listening, you look at Matthew 25, uh, uh, hungry people, thirsty people, sick people, strange people, naked people, and people in jail. And Jesus said, if you want to find me, you got to find them. And if following me doesn't lead you to them, then you're not following me because that's where I always am. Um, and so you could just, just say, like hungry people, uh, why not go to the grocery store uh, ask the uh, grocery person, hey, what's your favorite thing here? And they say, oh man, I love Pop-Tarts. And then just go buy a couple boxes, go to the checkout line and say paper or plastic and say, oh, definitely paper. And then you put in the paper and say, this is for you. <laughs> it <laughs> would that. blow their mind. It would be like the coolest thing that happened to them all day that this kid came to me from the Baylor, I think. And she just had this big bird eating grin on her face. And she'd asked me what my favorite thing is. And I said, Pop-Tarts. And then she bought me Pop-Tarts. And then she just left. She didn't say, let's be BFF. So it's just like, then she just walked out. And yeah. I'm telling you, there's, um, if people want to encounter Jesus, they're going to encounter what are not random acts of love, but they're very intentional acts of whimsy. Uh, to, to say, I'm going to do this. And to your point, you don't have to go across the ocean, go across the street, go to the, 
give thanks for your meals, but then go find a field just outside of Waco where a person's picking a head of lettuce. Yeah. Uh, and find the farmer whose house you drove by to say, I just want to thank you for growing lettuce because I know <laughs> sometimes it goes bad. <laughs> it just doesn't work uh, for the person picking it. Just say thank you. And then the person selling and then the, the dude that's bagging it and one uh, that's finding all the grocery carts that got scattered everywhere. And to just say uh, what I want to do, and this all came from Matthew 25, I was hungry and you fed me. I go like that's pretty good. And now the next day say thirsty people. <laughs> and I love can, that. And the, the third one is strange people, like really <laughs> creepy people. Uh and yet there's uh there's some people that are like actually dangerous creepy, and then there's other people that are just odd creepy. Uh mm-hmm. so go find odd creepy. Yeah. Uh, and to just be don't have an agenda other than loving them, because as soon as loving people has an agenda in love anymore, it's a program. Yeah. And so we don't need a program. We just need people like you and your friends just loving people. Yeah. I think that's such an awesome reminder for me and everyone who's listening. Just you can do stuff that is so simple and seems hard because you have to go up to someone and talk to them. And that's terrifying for some people, but I love it. And I think we can do stuff to remind people of the joy that is still in this world and that your joy in your life and just your smile can really impact someone by doing the smallest act. And I'm going to challenge myself and hold myself. I want to go do something for someone. And I just find so much joy in doing that. And I think it's really fun to get to remind people of you're a complete stranger to me, but I'm going to do something for you and it's going to be awesome. And I hope it like blesses them in the smallest way. And so one last question that I wanted to ask you is celebrating joy is kind of the title of this podcast. And what is currently you're finding that celebrating joy kind of season of life? And what is that one thing that you are just excited finding joy in right now? Oh yeah. Just like so many things. It's a target rich environment. (laughs) So we took a bunch of people to Disneyland. We called it the school of whimsy and we met at the, I rented the uh, house of blues and so we met at the House of Blues. I brought in some magicians and musicians and all that. Or for my Baptist friends, they weren't magicians, they were illusionists. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so we heard. And then we went over to Disneyland and had the breakout sessions. Like, so if you wanted oh, to talk God. about your future, there was somebody in Tomorrowland. If you want to talk about your biggest fear, I had somebody at the Haunted Mansion. Oh. <laughs> I was at uh, Tom Shore Island. And so all these people, and to the point we've been discussing, I didn't ask Disney for permission. I assumed I had permission. Uh, and so now there's like 50 or 60 people all on Tom's meeting. You couldn't get that as a venue, yeah. but you could just like meet out there. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the next day we brought Afghan and Ukrainian refugees mm-hmm. and their families. And awesome. so to have laden with like purpose, super fun, and then super purposeful mm-hmm. uh, to see their minds blown to say like, holy moly, like they were like in Kabul not too long ago. And now they're here, they're fleeing the Taliban. And now they're just trying to figure out who's the lion thing that's <laughs> bouncy. I'm like, oh, that's bigger. <laughs> yeah. So I think a mix of it's a strategic whimsy. And I think I would mm-hmm. uh, leave people with that. You want to find your joy, make it not just whimsy, like we're going to drop off a cake, which is great, 
but make a strategic whimsy to say there's a reason, not program or agenda whimsy, just a strategic to say, man, I'm doing Matthew 25. I'm going hungry, then thirsty, then sick, then strange, then naked. You can always tell if somebody's naked uh, (laughs) or somebody in jail and just say like, I'm just going to actually do this stuff instead of agreeing with this stuff. And I'm going to do it to see what will change in my life, uh, Mm -hmm. not just what will change in their life. Yeah. So I'm so glad that you're doing joy and you do joy well and you write well and let's get it all out there. Keep it going. I'm proud of you. Thank you so much. And thank you so much for just joining me on this podcast and just kind of sharing a little bit about the joy that you experience and just how to celebrate in it. So thank you. Oh, so heck much. yeah. I do lots of selfish things. This is right on the top to get on <laughs> some time with you and talk about stuff that's important and, and just keep doing what you're doing. I mean, I'm just putting all my chips on you and your friends, uh, that you're going to carry this torch of joy, uh, just so high and so long, assuming you have permission, making some friendships, going deep, and then activating this stuff. Mm, I love it. Sadly, time has gone by so fast. And I want to thank everyone for listening to this episode of the Celebrating Joy podcast. I hope you learned a little bit of something about how to celebrate others and how to remain joyful in this world. Once again, thank you, Bob, so much for joining me. And I hope everyone who is listening has a great rest of their day and that they feel encouraged. I will see y'all next time.